0: Chuck Chuck, Poland. Poland. <laughs> All right.
1: Well, why, why are you talking like that?
0: <laughs> Sorry, uh, we uh, missed a week. Old Dr. J got the COVID. So, yeah, I guess my neighbor couldn't be bothered to wear a mask when she was sick.
1: Dr. Delta. Good
0: times. Good times. Yeah, I was not happy about that. So, we went to a funeral, sat by our friend and in, that lives in the neighborhood. And she was sick and she didn't wear a mask. And she thought it was just a cold in the time of COVID.
1: It's never just a cold when it's COVID season. (laughs) And
0: both Heidi and I were wearing masks. Ah. Both of us got it. And now my daughter has it. And it's not very fun. But How's um, your daughter doing? She's, you know, having body aches. (sighs) Not not having fun. Coughing a bit. I coughed a lot. Had a little bit of a fever. um, But that was, you know... Couple couple nights of coughing, um, but I'm back in the saddle again. I think, uh, you know, still a little off, but today is the best I felt in a long time. So yeah, um, yeah, glad I was vaccinated. For sure. <laughs> leave it at that, but yeah, it's good to be back. I I missed a podcast last night. Uh, they invited me to come on uh, S- Snakes and Stogies. Uh, Herptoculture um, Network guys, Justin yeah. and Phil yeah. um, I was sad to miss that That was a good discussion I started listening to it today So check that out Even though it's not on the the uh, THP or, Sorry, the, uh, my, my mind is a little foggy The Morelia Pythons Radio Network They got a, a, uh, a little, THP, co- uh, little, COVID,
1: little COVID brain there, dude COVID brain, But,
0: but uh, Phil and Justin do a good job They're good We had we had a fun they time with, uh, with Justin on the podcast a couple weeks ago, we need to have Phil on sometime. That'd be good. Yeah. Get Phil on here, but they were talking about virus infections. So, you know, and, and other uh, bacterial infections and things in collection. It was really good discussion. Um, they had, let's see, Travis Wyman. Mm-hmm. And, oh man, my code brain. Why did I start this when I don't have the answer to, to <laughs> um, Zach Loafman and Um, man, why am I drawing a blank? I'm terrible. Uh, Stephen Tillis, those three uh, discussing different, uh, you know, testing and things in your collections and that would have been good to be on, but those guys handled it fine. There were, you know, three, three guys and two hosts. Uh, It's, you know, that's plenty, of plenty of mind power and they didn't need you freaking great job with Matt without my COVID brain on there. So yeah. yeah. Uh (laughs) I was feeling a little worse for the wear last night too, because we, we had thought about, uh, recording last night as well. And I, I said, let's wait for tonight. (laughs) Yeah. You
1: sound better today than you did even yesterday. So yeah, I think I, I feel
0: probably 50, 75% better today than I did yesterday. So I'm on the upward trend, which is good. Hopefully back in the saddle, I'm, I'm stuck in my room until, um, I think Friday or Saturday. So. That's when my ten days of isolation are up. So then it's back to back to the old grindstone, I suppose. Yeah.
1: But yeah,
0: we'll see. Have see you thrown any
1: those. snowballs at your neighbor's house or anything?
0: <laughs> I felt like it. I, I was a little upset. I mean, we were both wearing masks. Go figure. You know, I guess it's it's more important when the person who's infected is wearing a mask. So well, I, I mean that's them, masks don't work if it's only <laughs> half the party. <laughs>
1: yeah uh, well i mean you. i think that's been a pretty consistent uh the a uh, pretty consistent thing right i mean yeah. the mask is not it, Yeah, it's, it's, it's much
0: it's, more effective when the uh, infected person is worried. yeah
1: yeah yeah mm-hmm. i mean obviously if you're if you got the got the d and you're like just you know unmasked breathing all over the place you're you're spreading virus so you yep. yep. um
0: and I mean, we were pretty clo- like we were next to her at a funeral, and and nobody at that funeral was wearing a mask either. So I wonder how many people, you know, who else got it because I don't know. It's just it's it's maddening, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. such a simple thing. I mean, wearing a mask at a public gathering is not that difficult, really. I well, bother me, man, except yeah.
1: California's back to it. We're, we're, we're masked. Well, we're masked back, back to being masked indoors. So yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's
0: kind of how it should be if there's a pandemic, but oh well. Okay. So what's going on herp wise with you, my friend. So you got a couple Uh,
1: more hatchlings. Yeah. So, um, I have three, yeah, three more, um, grandest babies. Uh, Hmm. so, and then, um, just waiting on some standing eye to hatch and got even more grandest behind them and so yeah, it's it's a uh, freaking day gecko city over here, man. man gonna have to be
0: Chuck Pulling Day Gecko man pretty uh, soon. I will day man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. Issa day, issa day, is day <laughs> gecko man. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Well, it's it's been fun. I mean, they're fun, they're cute, cute little you know, cute little day gecko. So yeah. um yeah, cool. doing that and um we'll see. I don't know, it's it's stormed around here and mm-hmm. so I, I I caught my uh my Tracy A hugged up together. So nice. Um yeah, so seems like seems like uh pretty prototypical behavior for um where they were, you know. The yeah,
0: moving in the right direction for uh, sure. Uh hopefully, awesome. yeah,
1: man. Hopefully. So, yeah, for sure.
0: Cool. Well,
1: how how about you?
0: Uh, yeah, not, I mean, a little bit of, a little bit of action going on. I've, I've thrown a few more pairs together, so I'm, I'm going with the traditional route for the inlands. I'm going to try to wait until the spring and throw them together, but, um, yeah. So we'll see, see what happens. Um, Mm Mm-hmm yeah, things are cooling down here. We got snow that's stuck and uh, it's raining now. So maybe that'll wash wash the rest of the snow away, but yeah, we're getting a few storms. And so hopefully that'll help kick things into gear. Um, really, really looking for, um, the, the carpets to, to breed this year mm-hmm. after they took last year off. And then the blackheads, that'd make me very happy. If I got hit those two groups, um, get the Aspidites and the Morelia to go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's cool. We'll see. see Yeah. And the book is, uh, it's just about there. I mean, I think we got the text done. I've got all the figure layouts. We're starting to get uh, the the PDF layouts from the publisher. So (laughs) it's getting close. It's really, yeah, uh, we could be done and ready to send to the printers by the end of the year, potentially, depending on how quickly the layouts go. But yeah, it's... It's uh, gonna be a behemoth. <laughs> I've got the first two chapters back, and I think combined they're like sixty something pages or somewhere on there. Maybe, let me—I uh, don't know if it's that many, but it's pretty. It's gonna have a nice little a page lot.
1: Cap. It's a lot. Yeah. Big so big.
0: hopefully, yeah. Uh, yeah. Chapter two ends. Let's see where does it end on? Um, maybe it is. See, maybe it is. Yeah. Page 63 is the end of chapter two. And I don't think he did the introduction. I don't know why he's doing the introduction after chapter one and two, but yeah. So yeah, should be uh, pretty fun. I've been working on, uh, had to, had a few kind of last minute changes that I realized I'd, um, kind of made a mistake on a couple things and had to go back and change a few other things including a range map and some other stuff so yeah it was good i caught that i guess but and i had a little bit
1: brain yeah
0: you always hope you didn't rush things too much um because uh you don't want that kind of set in stone so it's nice though as russ uh, like
1: you don't want the book all done and you get it and you go to (laughs) read through it and you're like oh crap (laughs) i mean we
0: do we do get a blue line version or yeah i mean we go through the pdfs so we can kind of read through and kind of fine-tooth comb it um make sure everything's consistent right now we're working on the evolutionary history chapter to finish that one up and and uh integrate, uh, Warren's information soon, hopefully. And, uh, um, he's, he's busy making bases apparently. <laughs> Sorry. I had to give, give a little shout out to Warren there. Um, but you know, I'm excited to see what he's got to, to add to this. And then, um, I've seen a bit, but, uh, seeing the chapter will be nice. And then we've got, uh, um, that to wrap up and then that's it for, for the book and it should all be done. Um, but the, the evolutionary history chapter is going to be pretty interesting. I think we got some fun ideas in there that uh, should be fun to read about and think about. Because uh, it's you know it's all just our hypotheses or ideas or whatever. But um, still still cool to think about. I was really excited to, to uh, you know be be thinking about these things and and writing about them for a while. So I'm excited to get it out there. But yeah. Enough yeah. about the book. Okay. Uh, all right. On to
1: fight. You ready? What do we fight tonight? Oh first?
0: yeah, you want to fight about something? Sure. Um, let's fight about inbreeding. Ooh. No, 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 not your Kentucky cousins. No, not that. Whoa, oh, no,
1: whoa! Leave my story. Kentucky cousins
0: out <laughs> of this. Um, inbreeding in in reptile collections. If it's uh, you know, ne- you know, the negatives and positives, I guess of, of inbreeding. <laughs> All right. You can see positives. I guess that might be the well, difficult got, side, but,
1: but there's one, some, yeah. There's definitely some positives of snake inbreeding. Sure. Yep.
0: Okay. Well, let's go then. You ready? You want to sure. go? You ready sure. to call this? Call sure. this for <laughs> Sure. Yeah,
1: let's go. Come on. Or do you want to just pass it up? Just okay. shut up and shut <laughs> up and <flip> it. <laughs> call it in the air. Awful jerk. Tails.
0: Tails. Tails. Oh. You got it. It's that's definitely. right. I did. Nice job. That's
1: right. I did.
0: Okay. Well, yeah. you win some, you lose some. I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: What you um, want?
1: You want, want the for or against inbreeding? Oh, you can. You can. <laughs> you you uh, can. Now
0: take, you don't, do what do. you don't, don't know what to do. you don't know what to do. I don't know. To, I'm you I'm not thinking, used to making the
1: decision. Thinking. <laughs> yeah. Thinking.
0: Take your time, buddy. Take your time. I will. Come on, it should be easy to wipe the floor with me. I got COVID oh brain. Oh my and gosh!
1: The Come on. <laughs> Listen, you could beat me with one one COVID brain, but tied behind your back. <laughs> oh god. Uh, uh, no, no. Um. I'll I'll do. Oh screw it, man. Uh, I I will I will do I I will do the 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 positives of, of inbreeding. I will really? take. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, let's do this thing. You're going to go first or?
1: No, you're going first. You're going to
0: do the chuck and defer. Yes.
1: Yes. The chuck strategy.
0: (laughs) Yes. Okay. Well, um, obviously there's, there's a lot of documented issues revolving around inbreeding and most uh, breeding projects are, uh, you know, designed around the idea of, of, increasing genetic diversity to, uh, not have issues associated with inbreeding. Um, different, of course, uh, reported issues associated with inbreeding, um, include, you know, uh, morphological, uh, deformities or, uh, you know, bulging eyes you know things like that and so um those are more obvious effects of inbreeding yeah sorry i'm giving i'm giving my best bulging eyes.
1: eyes right now sorry only yeah. this
0: is a video format yeah. uh,
1: if you could only see me now folks exactly um, um
0: you know, so I, I, think, you know, the list goes on and on and, and sometimes, it uh, results in, uh, lower fecundity and, and issues with reproduction. And so, um, sometimes those kind of things weed them out when weed themselves out, uh, tumors are a common one, you know, especially very documented in different, uh, inbred mouse strains, you know, you have, uh, obviously you have to have the right genes line up to have some kind of dysfunction and, and. Um, but that's the idea, um, of, we don't want to have messed up things. We want to have genetic diversity. We want to have things that can be robust and strong. There's actually that, um, term, you know, hybrid vigor, where if you're outbreeding, you you have more vigorous and, and, um, you know, strong offspring or whatever. So that's the idea between, behind, uh, avoiding inbreeding.
1: Can I just inbreeding. take a minute to just say what a great word fecundity is (laughs) yeah i just think that's such a freaking great word anyway (laughs) um yeah so i think uh, you've pretty much given a good definition of 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 you know kind of the the issues around inbreeding i think um you know really what we're what we're what we're doing when we're line breeding snakes it, it, in some aspects is, it is we're trying to bring together a lot of these, these visual traits or these visual things that we see, uh, to, to make sna- snakes look nicer. Uh, or, I mean, I guess you could select for, you know, better feeders or, you know, all, all they manner are. of, a manner <laughs> of things. Yeah. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think um I, I I think the issue that we're concerned about is when like those deleterious genes show up uh and, and and then we breed them together. And and so, you know, the idea of inbreeding or or selective breeding, um you know, kind of is, is magnifying traits. And, and so the issue isn't really about inbreeding. It's about, um, not outcrossing enough to keep that diversity for, to, to kind of keep those deleterious traits diluted out. Right. Um, sure. and I think, I think you can, you can still end up with deleterious things going on, Um, even, even though you're outcrossing, I think, you know, cancer can be, you know, if, if, if you're breeding animals that, and you have a sire or a dam that just has a very high propensity for cancer, um, you know, you, the the outcrossing may help, but but it, at, at some you know it, at some level it's it's kind of like if you have heart disease in your family, even though maybe you didn't marry your cousin uh, who also has heart disease, does not mean your risk in your children for heart disease doesn't go away. You know what I mean? So I, I get the idea of outcrossing, but you know I think in I guess when I, what I'm trying to get around to here is the idea that e- even though we're inbreeding animals to make stuff uh, nice, it doesn't necessarily always result in deleterious things being magnified. Now, it, it certainly can lead you down that path, but, but how else if you're trying to accomplish uh, a certain look or a certain, you know, path with, uh, um, uh, and animals that you're line breeding, are you going to get there without some manner of, of inbreeding?
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, I guess that could be likened to, you know, the, the idea of survival of the fittest, uh, in, in nature, maybe, you know, reproduction isn't necessarily, random. It's the, the males that have the strongest, uh, mm-hmm. genes or whatever, you know, different traits that allow them to be the dominant males. Now that, that in reptiles, there's a, there's that really common idea that, you know, the beta male kind of slips in while the alpha male is defending his territory. And a lot of times, you know, you'll get, uh, of those sneak in breedings or whatever that occur quite frequently in the animal kingdom, but and and so not all, not always the, the strongest genes are necessarily passed on. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- you know, there are some mechanisms that uh, you know, that alpha males use, like. M- killing off uh, a competitor's offspring or, you know, things like that, where, you know, the, the dominant animals have a lot of strategies to kind of keep their genes flowing. So, you know, maybe those traits result in continuing their their genetic you know information and so that uh, allows that to, those those genes to pass on so if if they pass on those dominant genes and the, and their offspring are also very fit and and can compete well against rivals and and have you know their pick of the the females or whatever then those genes continue on so um, but you know they're still having some random selection of mates or, or selecting the the fittest mate or whatever. And that may change from year to year. Um, the, the dominant males get beat up on as they get older, or if they get a disease or get sick, you know, so things kind of keep keep moving and and Mm -hmm. the genetics kind of mix mix around a bit more so
1: but i mean if you were to have two animals that had a high genetic fitness between the two of them and they constantly inbred for each other for a long time i mean what, 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 what what that could potentially be way better than an animal with with you know, uh, a, a very weak genetic fitness or, or a high propensity for deleterious genes or a bunch of deleterious genes in its, in its, in its DNA. And, and it's, it's, uh, you know, and it's breeding with a male with, with some, some high fitness, you know, like you're, you you it's, and so it's an idea that we're talking about is, is outcrossing for fitness, uh, because you, rather than, you know, concentrate. What you're worried about is how, um, what, how, what is the level of fit, genetic fitness in those animals, and 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 you take kind of the the guesstimation that it's that it's average. What if it's not average? What if it's great? So you kind of don't know. You know what I mean? So it's it's more of just a safer strategy than it is necessarily a hard fast rule. And I think we've kind of had this conversation about, um, you know, well. You know, who okay? So, as an idea, inbreeding is bad, but you don't know where it's bad. And we seem to see people who inbreed the hell out of snakes, they make really fantastic looking snakes. And do those snakes necessarily have a lot of deleterious? genes are a lot of problems no not always i mean they can and it can happen but we don't know where that is because we don't understand where what the genetic fitness of those animals really is from from you know uh a, 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 other than like a visual the visual cues that we get
0: mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's it's definitely hard and you know i think in in captivity uh, with a lot of things we don't have choices you know i i did mm-hmm. want to go back to uh one of the earlier points you made about um it was more you know uh environmental versus genetic and and I think regardless of how strong your genetic uh, outbreeding or outcrossing strategy is if your husbandry is poor or deleterious then it's not going to make a difference how strong their genetics are if you're you know feeding them crap or keeping them in cr- improperly and so I mean you you'd see that <clears throat> Sometimes even in zoos, you know, a good example of maybe the Galapagos, uh, tortoises where they were feeding them high, you know, high protein or high, uh, fruit or high vegetable diets, you know, mm-hmm. that where they were used to eating dry grass for a lot of the years, you know, and then they, they're giving them too much nutrients and their shells grew too quickly and were deformed and things. So even though they had, you know, fine genetics, um, they're, they're, husbandry was off in, in such a way that resulted in deleterious effects. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's a long lived animal and they still have, you know, there were still, still some animals at the San Diego zoo that had shell problems or i think even one had wheels attached to it i can't remember if that was the san diego zoo but anyway you know from from those um early attempts back before they figured out proper nutrition for galapagos horses so even if you have deleterious genes in the mix or 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 no deleterious genes in the mix if you're keeping your animals improperly um, those environmental pressures are just as important in my mind as genetic um, factors. So, you know, <laughs> ensuring a good genetic diversity, you need to also include, uh, suitable husbandry. So, um, wheel but- me
1: out, Brett, wheel me out.
0: <laughs> we, we, uh, the, um, ideas though of, of that, I think, I think you're right. You know, we can't see the genetics and, and it's very, uh, costly, at least at this time to, you know, try to get some genetic profile. You have to have some understanding of the genes at work and maybe um, some of the genetic, and we just don't have that information.
1: Yeah. For I, d- trials, I think right? it requires a database that we just don't have, you know, a yeah, comparative, even for humans, a comparative database.
0: We have, we have some of that kind of stuff for humans and you can get a genetic test on, you know, a developing child within the you know womb and know, you know, if it has certain deleterious genes that you need to, Prepare for, you know, mm-hmm. when the baby's coming or
1: whatnot. And that took a lot of comparative analysis, I oh, think, yeah. to, say, to say, oh, well, you know, whenever we see this. Yeah, you know, malformation or disease or whatever, we always see this gene mm-hmm. present. And I don't think yeah. when they say these things that that's an absolute. You know, uh, <laughs> and it you know, probably
0: took a good decade of work oh, to figure out what that gene was yeah, like or whatever. Well,
1: but, it was like that idea of like the the BRCA. I don't remember the the BRCA something gene that is associated with breast cancer that just didn't come out of you know. Um, yeah. Uh, one study or, or, yeah. you know, so, something that somebody noticed that, that took a long time to, yeah. to get to and, and forget it. I mean, just forget it in reptiles because oh, it's it's never gonna,
0: yeah. you know, it's truly a needle in a haystack situation. And the haystack yeah. is, you
1: know, a, a, a,
0: a giant haystack, you a know? giant haystack. Yeah. And there's one needle in the middle, you know, yeah. um, it's really difficult. And, you know, I think we, we, uh, so, so not having those, um, tools or whatever. I think the, the, uh, easy way about it is to, to have that genetic diversity and to have a diverse pool, um, in your breeding groups, if possible. Um, you know, then you can kind of ensure that, you know, you're doing your best to keep your population healthy. And, um, you know, I guess the other side of that is, is a lot of times, like you said, we are breeding for a certain trait. And so that automatically says you're not out, crossing (laughs) you're breeding for a trait so you're inbreeding for that trait and so and and that's not necessarily always negative like you said you know that can be just Mm -hmm. fine and you can get a nice paint job and and still have a strong healthy animal but uh, obviously a lot of times when we're selecting these mutations in color and pattern we're also selecting other uh deleterious effects along with it you know the classic example is the jaguar carpet Mm -hmm. python that has neurological you know damage and and you know similar to other reduced pattern um morphs out there like the spider ball python they also have neurologic defects and and they've kind of i guess the idea behind that is is neural crest development and migration of
1: um neural crest cells
0: yeah, neural crest cells, but it, but it kind of co-migration with the melanin producing. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's kind of thought to be, and since they have a reduction in their melanin uh, producing cells, that they're, you know, don't have proper neural crest development. That's kind of the hypothesis. I don't, I don't think that's been proven one no. way or the other, maybe, maybe not in reptiles, but maybe it's been observed Ooh, in other
1: species. I, I, I was going to say, immoral, I thought, I thought that the mean. idea where that came from was an observation from, uh, something yeah. that had been like well studied. yeah, yeah yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 Knew, yeah, yeah.
0: And so, you know, that that's likely the case. I mean, genetics are genetics. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you're, you know, talking about snake or, or horse or whatever. So, um, yeah. Ben, ben was always a good resource in regards to genetics. He's, he's a bright guy. He's still a good resource. Yeah. He gym, still is. Yeah. Okay, okay. But he doesn't live, just uh, just making sure. Anymore, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 anymore. right, right. I yeah. got you. I got you. Um, yeah, but anyway, yeah, the, the, uh, idea of, of b- being able to identify or screen for deleterious genes is just not, uh, cap- you know, a, a capability we have. We we have very, very little genetic information on reptiles, period. True, you know, genetic information rather than knowing that something's a recessive trait or whatnot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um well- it- yeah, and,
1: and it is kind of that interesting idea too. That it, you know, it, 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 if you want to think about it in action, is you know when so like people uh, have kind of said like, oh, you know, carpet mutations. When you start to put together multiple, multiple carpet mutations, things can kind of fall apart a little bit on you with the animals. And I, I think that's a just a perfect example of of how you know the 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 culmination of deleterious. Uh, mutations because I mean, w- you know, we take mutations as like a positive thing, but it's, it's not really always a very positive thing. Usually <laughs> that, that positive visual, something that we're with, that we like comes along with some, some negative issues that we don't like. And when you, you know, put those all together, it, it, it you know, n- no shit stuff turns out suckier and has a lot more problems. So, um, and, and, you know, I think that's probably a good way to think about it. Like, look at, look at how many mutations you have to start to put together and, and it doesn't necessarily work this way whole shot, but, but, you know, putting multiple mutations, which have probably have multiple deleterious issues going on there together results in animals that have less fun. Oh my gosh. I can't say it now. Say it for me, Justin. <laughs> Thank you. I couldn't get the, I couldn't get to the sea. I couldn't. So, uh, uh, so I, I, you know, I think if that's the way you want to think about it, um, it, or if that helps people think about it, you know, the idea that inbreeding, um, is just like, Oh my God, Oh God, don't do it. You know, you do it all the time. Uh, and that's a lot of what line breeding is. So yeah. I just, I think that, Um, you know, as a general rule, yes, out, out outcrossing is good, but again, there's issues around outcrossing, uh, of, you know, for carpets Uh, outcrossing is tough because we have a limited amount, you know, if we were all in Australia and you could get wild caught stuff that, that works towards the direction you're going, wow, wouldn't that be easier? Right. But. It's not, we're stuck with kind of what we have. So what we outcross to is, is, um, you know, what's available to us. And that definitely probably may be working against a direction that we're going. Certainly, uh, Stripe Jungles is a, is a good example that comes to mind. It's, it's hard to get a Stripe Jungle project together because you're eventually outcrossing something Stripe Jungle leads to less striping. So it's, you know, it's, a um, it, you know, it's a, it's a tug of war, I think. And, and so I guess where I'm going with that is that, you know, sometimes in the tug of war, if you want something your way, you got to tug it into the inbred side of the house and, and, uh, you know, and, and maybe see how it goes. I mean, I guess, you know, the, yeah. The yeah. Issue- I mean, oh, do you great. think the issue go, like gets worse? Like, like if you push inbreeding into maybe just before an inbreeding depression or, or you're, you're starting to see some of the negative effects of, yeah. of line breeding something you think going, you think just outcrossing it pushes it back at all. So, so that you can shore that back up, like things get better.
0: It seems like, I mean, they've demonstrated some of that, you know, with uh, albino uh, spotted pythons in Australia where the first ones were not living long and they were very weak. But if you kind of outcrossed and and brought in other, uh, um, you know, healthy animals into the mix and produced hets and albinos from those, sometimes you'd, you'd strengthen things. I think they're to the point now where the albinos are... Little bit stronger, but
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it's a long road. And and this uh I guess focus on morphs is kind of what's yeah you know, driving a lot of these issues, I think. Well, and, and uh, I think
1: I think you know, morphs are an interesting thing to talk about too, because like you said, you could you could potentially outcross to shore up a morph, but but if you're doing kind of a line bred, you know, trait that's not necessarily uh you know as as predictably and inher- it has a, you know, a, a specific mode of inheritance, uh, you, you're, you're, when you're outcrossing, you're generally, unless you're working with a, a, an animal that has similar, you know, tiger to tiger type thing, uh, yeah. you, you're going to be working against yourself, uh, for, for that kind of a, uh, you know,
0: possibly. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, it's, it's hard because I don't think we have a great, um, Handle on what, you know, how, how many generations before you start seeing problems and what mm-hmm. what constitutes a problem to abandon a certain, you know, thing. I, I guess some things like, like we talked about with the Jaguar gene, you're not going to outcross that, you know. No, it's, no, it's that's not going married. anywhere. It comes with the gene. And so, yep you know, and potentially like an albino, you know, they'll have, they'll have uh sensitivity to sunlight and things like that. And if it's a lizard, I mean, a snake, okay. But a lizard, you know, that's out having to bask or something that could be problematic. And mm-hmm. so I think that's why a lot of times those albino uh, lizards that are, you know, baskers may have, have a lot of issues. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, I guess it depends on, again, if it's, if it's not necessarily a deleterious gene and you're just trying to, um, produce animals with a certain, uh, phenotype that that's associated with the gene, say albino. I mean, most albinos are okay. They're not gonna, they're not just going to kill over and die because they're albinos, but, um,
1: yeah, most of the time they're just deselected in nature because they're, they're,
0: they're easy to the pick predatory. off. Yeah, yeah
1: yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. But
0: but some some lines like you know the albino maculosa maybe it is a weak gene and you have mm-hmm. to shore it up with other genes or maybe the original albino had other mutations that went along with the albino that yeah weren't really obvious or you know not everything has a phenotype and so well like a visual
1: phenotype like a a pattern or color change you can absolutely have deleterious traits that go along with a mutation and because you're breeding you know for the mutation you just continue those traits along and and, you know as you kind of neck down that road um Mm -hmm.
0: Mean- I, I will, I, I, another thing occurred to me, I saw, we had a lecture at the university by one of our, uh, the researchers in our department and she was working on, on sperm <laughs> and, uh, doing some research with sperm and showing how, uh, males can actually pass on, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, now it's, uh, failing me. I, I started
1: down. I don't know. You said it, thinking. man. You said um, it. You had a point. The,
0: the Non-genetically passed on information where you have changes in like methylation in the DNA.
1: Like your epigenetic? Epigenetic. Or- oh
0: yeah. Thank you. Epigenetic. Well, well, good thing
1: you had me here.
0: Exactly. Thank <laughs> you. Thanks for be- you could have let me suffer, man. You could I wouldn't the, the do that. Final blow there. You've but already suffered <laughs>
1: enough this week
0: they demonstrated that, uh, that the sperm can contain epigenetic information. Sure. So the, the father can pass on epigenetic traits. Um, like, um, I think there was the, it's called the thrifty gene and they, they documented this like after, um, world war two where.
1: Is that um, like where you just shop at Goodwill and you're like, (laughs) you're, you're
0: It's actually the, the genes actually, um, cause you to metabolize your, uh, energy a lot more thriftily. And so you gain ah. weight very quickly and you put it on fat because you're used to hard time, uh, you know, the, the genetic information that came from your parents was used to hard times. And it's not a, it's not a genetic trait. It's an epigenetic trait and it's in the way the DNA is packaged. And so, so in the, the past,
1: like two, probably three years, my thrifty gene activated,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's, uh, I'm uh, trying to be it's funny, a parent right? at birth, but you yeah. know, yeah. So anyway, no, it he, wasn't he, a parent
1: he, at birth. I was a slim <laughs> kid all the yeah. way up until like, my, my, it's <laughs> so probably
0: not the thrifty gene. It's probably <laughs> your warranty ran out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: We're not going to say that Chuck is degrading my telomeres. My telomeres are unwinding folks. Yeah. It's
0: we got a, a 35, 40 year warranty on our bodies. And then it just all goes to, <laughs> crap. <complete. laughs>
1: Anyway, um, it,
0: it. They, they, they've demonstrated that if men um, work out excessively, they can actually pass on epigenetic information that tells their offspring to real, you know, to, to gain that thrifty gene or to, to metabolize their food differently. And so, you know, uh, it, it's really fascinating, but anyway, it goes back to kind of how animals are cared for, you know, so you can pass on things that are not genetic, you know, not in the, in the base coding, but rather in the methylation of the DNA or, or certain genes are tagged to be replicated more frequently
1: by you know in the
0: offspring and so that's kind of kind of what uh what you wind up with i can see a joke developing what you got for me <laughs> no
1: i was just gonna say shout out ladies to all those lazy men out there gonna <laughs> yeah, give I you reckon. skinny kids
0: you better you better <laughs> yeah better select <laughs> your mate properly you know uh, you want, you want to work out but not too much you know no,
1: put put and, the and meat heads was, away put the meat heads away
0: <laughs> what's fascinating too is some <laughs> of these things can actually take effect on the germ cells during, of, of the offspring as well. Hmm. So like as they're developing their germ cells, so you can not only impact your offspring, but your grand children as well by, based on the, the type, um, you know, the epigenetic signals you can send out. And yeah. so they did a study with mice where they fed the mice cocaine and i guess cocaine oh, doesn't taste favorite. good with mice <laughs> so mice don't like it that much but they showed that you know they they did i think they even did like an no oh, the male had no contact with the offspring he just sired the offspring and then the the those offspring were given the choice to drink normal water or uh cocaine laced water and they chose the cocaine laced water versus the normal mice were not interested in the cocaine laced water. They just took the normal water.
1: Well, not at first. (laughs) <laughs> they have to get a taste
0: <laughs> the first taste is free and then the, then that lab that lab worker had some good customers They're from so that. i don't know co- what the mice paid in but
1: fucking coke head mice damn bro <laughs> but they
0: they demonstrated that that uh, you know the propensity could be passed on so yeah, yeah, um, yeah even yeah. even through the sperm through an epigenetic thing because there was no um cocaine uh gene whatever you want to call it in the male. I mean, he developed yeah. that and, and developed a pattern of, of taking that and then over time um, pass that information on through an epigenetic mechanism. So interesting, you know, that, that you and this is probably more a point for you that, you know, you, you can worry about inbreeding all you want, but if you're not keeping your animals properly or, or you know, exposing them to things that aren't really that great or shooting for genes that aren't really that strong you're probably not going to do so great in you know your overall outcome if, mm-hmm. if that's what you're looking at i mean if you want to make a quick buck with a new morph for something you're probably okay but <laughs> in the long term you know that that's and and i think we see that in our um you know inbreeding not necessarily with deleterious genes but just in the fact that we've reduced in a lot of ways um the the phenotypes that we have in herpeticulture, like if you know there's, there's, it's really hard to find a jungle that's not bright yellow and black. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't find like a, like a wild type, uh, normal jungle anymore. They, they don't exist in herpetoculture in the U S um, for the most part. I mean, there, there have been some that have been imported from Europe, some, um, locality specific, you know, Palmerston's or, or, yeah. Tully, but for the most part, those are very few and far between and hard to find. And most people don't really want to focus on that because no. they don't sell, you know, there's no money in them. And so I think, uh, a, a, a lot of the deleterious genes, if you will, that have crept in through inbreeding are, um, the, uh, morph, the morph craze or mm-hmm. the, you know, chasing well, after and, the morph.
1: And I think, you know, I mean, uh, to your point, like it, if, if, if it's all, bright yellow and black jungles right and that's what we're that's what we're selecting for um eventually you're gonna get to end up with deleterious traits in there if that's what you're always selecting for deleterious traits will end up in some black and yellow jungles and if that's what's getting bred and and the and, and the ability to outcross to keep them black and yellow you know is is less and less it's almost like a genetic bottlenecking in the end and and you're gonna you're gonna end up with those negative traits am i wrong i don't know am i wrong are you, are you arguing, arguing wrong? for me or are you arguing no, for you i'm, I'm arguing for the sake of arguing that bad. that's what we do here <laughs>
0: Okay. All right. God. Well, it just feels like you're taking my thunder. This is my side. Oh, I'm keep, saying that keep your goddamn thunder then. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs>
1: asking you a question and all you <laughs> needed to say was yes. Yes. No, well, I, you know, I you would I, have again, had your point
0: again. If you're, you know, talking about inbreeding and deleterious genes, the deleterious dil- genes have to come from somewhere. They have to be like, you know, if, if they, if they came along with the bright yellow, some mm-hmm. deleterious gene was associated with the bright yellow, then yeah, then selecting for that yellow and black and yellow, bright yellow, is gonna result in more deleterious genes in offspring, and you're gonna have more of that negative effect in well, but, the offspring. But just in idea, in idea,
1: just just the concept, just the are, fact of
0: chasing that isn't necessarily gonna result in that. I guess my my point with the morph craze thing is as you add genes on genes on genes, you're, you're combining, um, all those genes and, and the, til- some of them have deleterious effects that come along with them, like the Jag, you know, you got sure. the neuro thing. So now you have a super zebra caramel, you know, Jag hypo or whatever, and it's going to have a couple different weakened, whatever gene, you know, your granite gene is a little weak and things like that. There, there's these different traits that kind of go along with that and gene on gene on gene pretty soon you're gonna have pretty sketchy outcomes you know you might have some that are okay and make it and, and they can sire more of those gene on gene on genes but you might have effects over time with that and that's you know in my mind and then you also have a hard time finding the wild types or the single gene animals, those don't exist anymore because they don't make enough money. So nobody's going to breed a single gene when they can breed the triple or quadruple or quintuple gene. Ooh, and good so bird. you, I think I made uh, it up. You anyway, did. And I liked it. I liked it. Like it. You keep uh, focusing or, or exacerbating that, that issue and making you know, kind of a worse outcome in the long run, but you're also getting rid of the diversity. You're sure everything starts to look the same after a certain amount of time. I mean, you know, the ball Python, there's so many different mutations that it's hard. Everything wants to be the ball Python mor- morph market now because, you know, that's so crazy. And, and I, I guess, yeah, you know, there's quite a few different, um, carpet genetic mutants and and different genes and Mm -hmm. and phenotypes or whatever um i mean as uh, working on the book we've the the morph section is is absolutely huge now and nick's got three different sections you know and and well over 100 pictures or Maybe even several hundred pictures. But do you, know, but I mean, let's mutation. say
1: carpets were all just one species. Would you think we'd even be having the same conversation? Like, because I mean, all ball pythons are just one species, so all the mutations that sit underneath ball pythons are all just you know ball pythons well, and most and, of them. And, are and, but some of them, them right, <laughs> right, right, right. But <laughs> yeah. but I yeah. guess what I'm saying is like you you said you know look at ball pythons and I, I mean I I guess I don't take a difference in ball pythons because well, I mean, you certainly have. In- you Tens certainly, in carpets and hundreds in balls. That's, right. And and yeah. so, but but you still you still see some mutations that you know are just fine and, and you get no outwardly deleterious issues with them. Uh, yeah. whereas certain ball python mutations are you know wonkadoo. Uh yeah. and yeah, you know th- and, and and in the same way that the jag is like it's not always bad, but mm. it's bad a lot of the time, you know. Yeah.
0: yeah. And it's, and it's usually present if the animal's stressed, you know, even mm-hmm. if, even in one that hasn't shown it its whole life, you get it stressed out yeah. enough, it might start showing it. Or So, so you know,
1: do you, do you in your point mind point kind it. of take it differently? Like, like, like for me, I, when I think of, of inbreeding, uh, I, I think of it more of it in a line breeding kind of sense, um, w- w- where, you know, you're not taking inheritable mutations necessarily, but, but that you're kind of breeding for certain looks or certain things. Like, I guess I see, I guess I, like when I think about it and, and I understand what you're saying, I just like, like for the JAG, for example, like we understand that's a mode of inheritance. And, and, you know, if you put lots of, of morphs together. Yeah. It gets not as, as, you know, we, we tend to see more issues. Um, if you put multiple ball pythons together that have a mutation that has issues, yeah, you get more kind of issues, but, but, you know, when we're talking about line breeding, um, you, you may not necessarily have those, Um, and, and actually you probably do have those genes that have mutations in them. They're just not visual. You don't see the result of that. Right. So I guess maybe I'm answering my own question and saying that maybe, no, you know, maybe it's not any different, but but it's just different because of our eyes or because, uh, we're we're seeing it with a, a predictable mode of inheritance. But, um, yeah, I just, I, you know, I, I, and, and I guess, um, you know, how do you, I guess, how do you look at it that way? Uh, for, as far as, um, like, you know, when, 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 uh, when do you know it's, it's, oh man, this is not good. Like, uh, obviously, uh, you know, some, some like, like, would you say that, that if you had a clutch and you just had a hard time feeding them getting to feed that that's a, uh, you know, a result of potential inbreeding or are they just uh, pygmy pythons or anteresia, right? Like, yeah.
0: I mean, it depends. I, obviously, you can select for those traits that may not be deleterious traits, but they might not be necessarily a wild type trait, like a mm-hmm. hog, snake eating a mouse. You know, we, we get them right out of the egg and they want to eat a mouse. Whereas, you know, you catch a wild one and get their offspring. They're going to want toads and they're probably going to die because they hold out for toads or you have to send yeah. the food with toad for a while. So you got to kind um,
1: of take it in context.
0: Yeah and, yeah. and I mean, obviously we select, you know, whether consciously or subconsciously, for like different traits, like maybe a calmer animal, you're not going to necessarily keep the biggest, <laughs> craziest, bitiest snake you have to to breed just because you feel like he's the strongest or dominant. You know, male. I or say
1: nay. I <laughs> yeah. like the biting ones.
0: <laughs> yep. So you know, and and so we 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 do a lot of the selection for things, and and most people don't have you know, 20 of the same species, all normal wild type animals, you know, we, we typically, um, focus on certain projects or, or just have a pair or two of, of a species, you know, um, and, and try to, to produce some now, you know, with, with, Pythons, especially, and that's kind of, you know, we talk a lot about pythons because that's kind of what we're interested in. But, you know, maybe this is different with other reptiles. I I wonder with like tortoises, too. I mean, most of these things are if you keep them properly and they live a happy, long life, they're going to be producing for a good 20 years you know so if you're producing from the same animals for 20 years you're not inbreeding anything
1: right right that's
0: one pair for 20 years and so by the time you're done producing from that (laughs) pair you know you're on to generation two Mm -hmm. okay so you know how many generations does it take to see those deleterious effects so i guess in 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 from that view it's it's a herpeticulture thing, you know, we kind of need to be thinking about the future or whatnot. So maybe that's why it's good to kind of keep lineage or or figure out what you've got. So when, when you do come time to, you know, somebody's starting a new project, they can select individuals that may be not closely related or something. And, and then they can, um, you know, select animals that are as distant as, as possible genetically. And then that, that kind of, that kind of carries that genetic strength on or or that outbreeding or outcrossing on to the future whereas if if you know everybody's just after a gene or a mutation or a phenotype, then that kind of all goes out the window. Cause, Oh, you need the blue line or you need the albino gene or whatever. So then you just chase that and, mm-hmm. and that's your selection mm-hmm. process. So I, I think, you know, there needs to, you know, there can be both that mm-hmm. can both exist, but th- somebody needs to be looking out for kind of that long-term. And that's where I th- you know, I definitely our, our that's a good point point. and things like that come in and
1: you can be smart about how you inbreed uh, animals to reduce the, your potential for running into that, into an inbreeding depression or, or, or you know, uh, issues. Um, yeah. You know, I, I mean, think.
0: In, in science, we've got how many lines of inbred mice that have been bred over hundreds of generations. Yeah.
1: Well, th- them, they're so. they're they're good because they're inbred, right? Yeah, they're, they're basically genetically identical. Ge- right. Genetically
0: identical. Now, th- that that comes with some costs and consequences as well, because if you're trying to model a viral disease in these mouse strains, which we do, mm-hmm. right? We have different mouse models for different viral infections. and this is kind of my day job area. Um, we will use one of these inbred mouse strains. Often, you know, mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. but do they represent a diverse and outcrossed human population? No, right. <laughs> you know, so you right. kind of have to take it with a grain of salt, and the findings don't necessarily always translate to efficacy in people. If you're, you know, testing antivirals in in mouse models, like I am, um, but
1: but, you, but but what you're trying I mean, to see is to the start, way. It, you know? yeah, it, yeah, you you get to see the way a, a potential drug behaves in yeah. a mouse model it, it, and, and maybe you're, you don't have the, uh, the, the genetically most ideal and fit, uh, example that you're testing it on, but you're testing it on a uniform example yeah. to get a yeah. uniform result. Right. So it's, 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 mm-hmm. uh, it's, it, you know, it's, it's means to the end. It's what, you know, what, what you're, what you're trying to do.
0: Yeah. And not only that, like they, they've also showed that the gut contents, you know, we always feed this, you know, kind of same lab chow and things like that. And so, um, you're actually, uh, influencing the outcomes by what they're eating. If they had a diverse bacterial flora, that's similar to a wild type mouse or even a wild type human, you know, something different that, that's, that's variable because all humans have different bacterial, you know, components in their gut. Um, that, that can make a huge difference on how a drug is metabolized or how they respond to a virus infection and things like that. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of other factors that go into these things. And that's kind of why I made a comment. Like you can have the most genetically pure offspring you, you can get, you know, you have 30 different genetic backgrounds and you're outcrossing and shifting and, you know, having this great model of who you're breeding to. But if you're not giving them access to sunlight or to the, you know, different uh, important, um, uh, environmental factors that they require, you know, who cares how mm-hmm. genetically pure they are, if they're going to Grow their shells all wonky because you're Mm -hmm. feeding them too rich a diet or they're overweight or they're, you know, this or that or the other. Well, and
1: and to your point, I mean, you you know, we talked about epigenetics and I think the, the, it was a PBS special, the uh, Ghost in the Genes. Um, for anybody who's interested in in epigenetics, um, uh, look up "ghost in, Ghost in the Genes," and it's a whole very fascinating thing. I think KPBS did on epigenetics in humans, but uh, cool. it absolutely demonstrates what we're talking about here. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, I mean, you you can you can cause an animal's epigenetics to change its offspring's propensity for things so let's say you were a heavy feeder uh but you know you maybe you uh gave them okay to use your bodybuilder example let's say you gave snakes huge cages and they ran around ran around ran around ran around but then you you know over the long period or or maybe into the future somebody else gets your offspring of those animals and they keep them in small cages and all of a sudden feed them too much well those animals are going to deposit fat faster because they used to be that human that worked out a lot and then they ended up you know the offspring ended up with the epigenetics Of somebody who gains weight easier. And then now all of a sudden, because they're, they're more sedentary and and they're being fed, they're gaining more weight. Right. So that's that Mm -hmm. kind of that human example of what we're talking about. So, so it's, it's, it's kind of a a huge moving target too with epigenetics. So, and I I think that kind of goes to why we push a certain standard of care or, or what the best uniform way to kind of keep, uh, reptiles is because it it, it helps keep a, a steady state constant w- with uh, uh, of care and, and how uh, and, and and you know like in the experimental factors trying to reduce um, you know variation in, in a test right so if if we all keep the same way you know going forward the, a lot of those results will be similar so we're not we're not creating these um, heaps and valleys of epigenetic change right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's, there's so many things that kind of go into this, but overall, you know, looking at, um, genetic diversity and maintaining kind of those strong, uh, genetic outbred populations is probably something to, to consider, you know, when you're starting mm-hmm. a project, when you're, when you're bringing in animals, you know, are these all from the same shipment? Maybe they were collected from the same area and maybe they're somewhat related. Um, it's nice that we're developing tools like, uh, Ben morals, uh, you know, genetic analyses that he can do to show parentage and show relatedness in, in certain, um, species. And, and so, you know, maybe that's part of setting up a, a long-term breeding project or something, you know, mm-hmm. You know, identifying those animals that have um interesting outcross. Rob, Rob Stone actually sent me an article that was based on um herpticulture collections as well as zoological collections of a certain I think it's Jamaican boas or, or one of the island boas, right?
1: Yeah, man, yeah, where they're uh, oh man, uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> 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 but anyway, they uh, they
0: they looked at the genetic, um, diversity in the captive populations, you know, within zoos and, and, yeah. and in pri- private hands. And they actually found a really diverse, um, genetic background in these boas. And so, um, that, you know, and this is also part, I believe they have a stud book for these too, And, and I think Rob said that might be in private hands, uh-huh. If I, if I'm, re- if I'm remembering correctly, either that one or a different project, but, um, where, where that's actually working in herpeticulture to have a stud book, to have kind of this. And, and obviously this, well, so these, these Island bows, a lot of them are, um, on the either endangered species or on the, um, CITES list that they're not allowed to be sold, mm-hmm. um, state to state. And so you have to have a, you know, a USCB permit to sell them to somebody in another state. The person in the other state has to have that permit, but if you just give them to them, you don't have to have permits. And so a lot of these, um, Island boa projects, they don't sell them. They don't worry about that. They just gift them to somebody and and just send the offspring out to other people who are, who are who care about these boas and about their their uh maintenance in herpticulture?
1: So it's what a novel <laughs> fucking concept! Wow, yeah, selfless, selfless don't, you don't have to make reptile money keepers. On every Holy project. shit! <laughs> oh my god, what
0: a concept! I know it's it's very foreign to a lot of uh, re- uh reptile keepers these yeah. days, but um, it's kind of a cool thing, and you know, and and it's nice to have um certain project and and. It shows in this in these data sets that sure. show they're genetically diverse, they're maintained well, you know, there's different things uh, that, that go into this. And so, you know, they're, they're selecting the people they give them to. They're not just taking the first guy that has, you know, a thousand bucks or whatever to... So they're, they're selecting the people that they're sending them to. So it's, it's really kind of a cool program. And then the people within the group know each other and know, okay, you, you have stuff for me, maybe get stuff from this guy, you know? So they, they kind of keep that outcrossing alive. And so these and that populations, would be a, that could would actually, be a
1: really awesome way. Like, like exactly what Ben's doing. You yeah. know what I mean? No, like a, a Exactly. Cool
0: a cool model for how a long-term project, they don't care about morphs necessarily. They don't yeah. care about phenotype necessarily. They just care about the species, you know, yeah. and we need more of that in herpticulture. That's, you know, that's my, my, my idea or my argument is that these days we need more of that outcrossing care for the species rather than the morph and the dollar that the morph brings. Um, and, and I would say, you know, who, anybody listening, listener out there, Consider that when you're getting a pro, at least have one project where you're not making any money, where you're doing it for the love of the animal just because it's it's a cooler interesting animal not because you can make a buck off it and it, it really increases the enjoyment of the project i think mm-hmm. and i think that's what a lot of the stuff that rob keeps are those kind of projects where he he can't sell them he can't make money off them and he just enjoys them for what they are and enjoys you know working with like-minded individuals and and passing off offspring to other people that want in on those kind of projects so um that would be kind of my closing statement, you know, look at the, you know, look at these things when you're considering a
1: project. What a jerk. What a, what an amazing closing statement. (laughs) I've got nothing. I'm just sitting here complaining that I am empty handed. Oh, come on. You got something, don't you? Hi, we've got something. Um, (laughs) yeah. So, wow. Uh, no, I, I mean, can't argue with that closing statement. Uh, I, I think, I think I will say that, you know, people, um, potentially overblow inbreeding. I think that, the the idea that we, you know, Oh, the, if you put two animals who are related to each other together, that you're going to get inbreeding depression. And I think, you know, I I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think a lot of times people inbreed uh, quite a bit and don't even think about it that way. They buy related offspring. They they buy stuff that's super great looking and without really questioning how it got that way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and so you, you never know how far down the road you are. And and you know, I think. Uh, Look, outcrossing is always good, but as long as you keep it in mind and you, and you pay attention, um, you know, if, if you start to have issues, um, then, then yeah, you know, you need to take a look at that and not, not all issues that you have are are, um, inbreeding related, uh, you know, sometimes, things just come up and it's, it's, I guess maybe, you know, it's all genetic, really. It's all anything negative or positive is all genetically related in some way, but it may not necessarily just be because you're breeding two inbreeding two animals together, um, or epigenetically or epigenetic. Well said, (laughs) well said. So, um, you know, I, I think I just would encourage people to, you know, don't, don't let the, uh, the the idea of inbreeding and uh you know marrying your cousin or whatever mess up your idea of of what you're trying to accomplish in snake breeding um you know i think i think a lot of the greatest stuff that we have and the prime examples uh of of awesomeness came out of out of inbreeding so um yeah not as good as yours but that's my best that's my best shot hey when i can
0: summon uh the words of Bob Rock, you know, that's, uh, makes it easy. You yeah. Know, it gives me yeah, a really I'm on. powerful argument. Yeah, <laughs> man.
1: Yeah, I'm on. Yeah, I'm
0: Anytime on. Uh, old Rob Stone's on my side. Anyway, um, good discussion, man. This good discussion.
1: Stuff. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Not bad, oh,
0: man. I, w- I was, uh, listening to Morelia Python's radio. They had, uh. Um, fr- Frank, uh, here we Carl- go. Here go we on go. On yeah, <laughs> <I don't know.
1: laughs> you did. Thanks, a good for, job.
0: thanks for going easy on my covet enfeebled brain. But, ah. um, Frank Colachico was on there, uh, yeah, talking about. I haven't uh, listened to that yet, so, so it, it's really cool. He's oh, he good. I got to hear his talk in uh, um, in, in ARBC Chicago, um, the Tinley, Tinley Park. He he gave uh gave a talk at the Gecko Symposium that I talked about knobtails at. And oh man, he he knocked it out of the park. He was like really engaging. And I mean, after his talk was done, I swear people are on their phones booking flights somewhere, you know. <laughs> it was pretty cool. He he right. has the same same kind of person, just really laid back California personality, you know. Um swears like a sailor. So if you're Oh, this guy sounds awesome.
1: Enough, I gotta get on. <laughs> right then.
0: up your alley, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, cool guy. Um does does a lot of good her. But check out his uh um YouTube channel Reptilian Diaries. Um he's got a really cool. I was really um I I uh I'm pretty good friends with uh, Hussam Istanboli, who's one of his herping c- yeah. compadres and went on this trip to Western Australia with him and um and Husam was texting me pictures and stuff on the trip and i'm like dang you found that that's so (laughs) awesome they were finding some really good stuff i i was only really jealous i think by the the centralian blue tongue skink that was in the waterfall in carrigini i'm like come on you got to be kidding me you found that (laughs) so you know that was the only thing that really made me really they found a and sweet Woma um, at Shark Bay and a few other uh, <clears throat> rarities on the trip. But check out his channel. It's pretty sweet. All
1: right. There you go. All right. We'll let Justin cough his COVID death out real quick here. And there he goes. So okay. He's back now. <laughs> but right. yeah,
0: that was a, that was a good episode. I enjoyed, enjoyed listening to that. guy got, got me fired up again, get, get freaking Australia open again, but also, you know, getting to know your backyard. We had a great trip out to Arizona. That was a lot of fun to see some species that are pretty close to home, you know, that yep. I didn't think I'd maybe be able to find and, and to be able, you know, to find a couple of uh, will or die in a day. That was pretty exciting. Pretty fun stuff. So, um, there's a lot of stuff in our backyard that you know it was
1: that's a lot less expensive than a plane ticket to Australia. Maybe not as cool, but know.
0: yeah, it, you it, know, yeah. I mean, it's a little more expensive, but really, in the grand scheme of things, especially if you're breeding, and he makes this point in the podcast. If you're breeding expensive animals, sell one. That's probably yeah. all it'll take to get you over there. You yeah, know, it's really not sure. that expensive, especially if you do it smart or you know, camp out or stay in Airbnbs, things like that. It's, it's pretty, uh, I, I took me and my three oldest kids went over to Australia and spent two weeks over there. And I think it was only five, six grand total, (laughs) you know, for, for four people, that's not bad.
1: You know, do you guys rough it? Did you guys, yeah,
0: we we tented most of the time. We stayed in a hotel like two or three nights, I think of the trip, but, uh, and one one was just happened to rain that night, so that was kind of nice. We got out of the rain and stayed in a hotel room.
1: But I know you have the um, frugal gene, so
0: I do. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, yeah. Rob Rob Stone does not have the frugal. Gene. I mean, he does. He he gets pretty good deals on the Airbnbs, but he's he's usually staying in hotels. He ain't so pitching kinda, no
1: tent like Juelander though. You know, like- he's
0: kind of softened me a little bit. I'm not quite the the rough of, uh, and, and you know I'm getting older. I'm a little, there you go. Uh, there you I go. can still rough it if I need to, but yeah. you know, I don't mind staying in a, in a bed and in, in an Airbnb. That's not bad.
1: Yeah, um, definitely. So. Definitely nicer on the back. And yeah, especially sure. in your old age, you know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Probably so you know, save Heidi but, having to give you the back rub and stuff when yeah. you get back.
0: Exactly. And I think Frank's mentions that as well. He's like, I'm a, I'm a hotel herper now. I don't stay yeah. out in the tent anymore. When I, like I did when I was tw- in my twenties or whatever. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I I'm seeing that now. And especially now that I have a little more money to spend, you know, that kind of thing, things are sure. going well that way. So I can actually afford to do it. Whereas back in back then I couldn't afford to do it, you know, so it works out. But I, I think that, uh, you know, it's, Kind of being one with nature and sleeping out under the stars—it's it's pretty cool once in a while, even if you are a little older. Or, For sure, kind of gets you get, toughens you up a little bit and gets you back to nature. You <laughs> got to Cruising all night and getting home at three a.m. and 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 then it's blazing hot in the day. You don't want to wake up at you know eight a.m. and have it be a ninety degrees in your tent and you know fry your brain or something. So you know that's having how you get COVID
1: brain. No, yeah. I'm kidding. Having
0: I'm kidding. a hotel with AC is not a bad is that, thing. Is
1: there. that what happened? Is that no, what happened? Hurting. Just too much time in the hot tent? <laughs> I don't know.
0: Maybe so. That <laughs> happened.
1: Oh man. I'm sorry. That's so mean. No. I feel bad. I, I feel Heidi bad and I bad. were
0: on a, on a trip once and we, we, ha- it was really a hot place in the middle of the desert in Arizona. And so we thought oh, let, and it was in the middle of the summer. So we thought let's go in, in the night. So we hike in the night and then, you know, we're, we're, we're hiking in the cool instead of the heat of the day. And it was, it was good. We, you know, we, we had a nice hike in the, in the dark and, and uh, it was nice and cool, but then we get in, set up camp right as the you know sun's coming up and then it's like blazing <laughs> hot. So we can't sleep in the tent. So you yeah. get no sleep, you know? So it kind of didn't work out as great as maybe we <laughs> thought it was, but it worked out all right. right. Three yeah. the curve ball. Yeah, there you go. Well, any, any cool things you've been listening to lately? Mm. I mentioned the, the THP, uh, you got to go check that one out with talking about the different pathogens and reptile collections and, and screening, And actually that's one of the topics that was suggested for this podcast. We need to bring, maybe we'll bring one of these guys on, on here and, and, uh, fight about that too. That'd be cool. Have Travis on or something. I think,
1: I think we could do that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Talk about, uh, the, the pluses and minuses are the pros and cons of of screening your collection.
1: All um, right. You heard it, Wyman. Let's go. You've
0: been the, the gauntlet has been thrown down, Travis. Yeah. Sure <laughs> and uh let's see. I, I think you know there's probably a lot of good stuff out there,
1: but those yeah, are yeah, really I've really been a horrible human. Mind. I'm just I've been working. Yeah, I haven't been listening much. Yeah, yeah. I have that's not. Okay. I have been that's trying all good. to catch up. So yeah. But well,
0: uh, there's lots there of good it, content out there
1: there is a lot of good content and people need to be out there listening to it because there's, there's a a great deal of very talented, smart, amazing people producing these podcasts. Yeah. So go check them out.
0: Thanks again to Eric and Owen and the crew for all the good work. They're doing at Really pythons network. And I think I'm ready to go take a nap.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, that means Dr. Delta variant and inbred Chuck are out. (risos) <risos> Isso, foi horas claro.